0: Live from the Battleborne Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. I like messing with him, but he's got the perfect face for radio. <laughs> it's time for Cofield
1: and Company
0: on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: All right, here we go to Tuesday, Cofield and Company, big show on the way. We will get to the news of the night and today, of course, one of our major league franchises getting the job done last night in a big way. The Golden Knights with a 4-1 victory game one of the final four in the NHL. So that's coming up here in less than five minutes. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Angel's helping out here at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. Talk to our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider, Justin Watkins. In about an hour, he was at the game last night, loves hockey, and we'll get into uh, some of the other legal issues around the world of sports. But trending at two, aside from what's going on with the Golden Knights and their one nothing lead in the series against the North, Raiders camp. Each week, we get access to some of the players, eventually John Gruden. And today was a weird one. We'll break this down with multiple guests throughout the show. Q Myers, Raiders insider, will come up later in the hour. I don't know the premise of the question, so I don't want to get crazy over Derek Carr. But, man, Derek can be a strange guy sometimes. Uh, he was talking about his desire to stay with the team. And the theme was, hey, in the off season, there were a lot of rumors about someone else coming in and potentially replacing Derek Carr. So you got multiple tweets today, headlines, one from ESPN. Derek Carr, I would probably quit if I had to play for somebody else. Okay, well, How did it get to this? Vinny B over on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Derek Carr said he would probably quit football if he had to play for anyone but the Raiders All right. We're in June. I'm not sure why we're talking about quitting football or that Derek Carr is going to be playing for anyone else but the Raiders, at least anytime soon. Yeah, the full quote was, quote, I'd probably quit football if I had to play for somebody else. I am a Raider for my entire life. I'm going to root for one team for the rest of my life. It's the Raiders. So I just feel that's so strong in my heart. I don't need a perfect situation to make things right, which is that's where it got. It's a little weird that he's saying he's going to quit if he's not playing for the Raiders, which certainly could be a possibility down the road, and who knows? Maybe there's a ulterior motive here. Maybe there's an agenda here. Uh, he went on to say, I'd rather go down with the ship. You know what I'm saying? If I have to, like, I, no one around the Raiders wants any ship to be going down, and I don't think their ship is going down, and I hope that's not a prediction by Derek Carr on where the ship is heading. I think the Raiders are in good position here to turn the corner by fixing their defense. They blew at least three games last year via the defense, you know, you straighten that out, you get three more wins, all of a sudden you're in the playoff hunt. The last couple of years they got off to good starts through 11 games and they fell apart down the stretch and a lot of it was on the defense. So easy, Derek. It's June. Easy. No need to be talking about quitting if you're not on the Raiders or that you're willing to go down with the ship. Hopefully the ship ain't going down. Uh, Other news trending at 2 o'clock. Great story today on ESPN.com. By uh, Michael Rosenstein. You know, we've been talking a lot of boxing lately, but most of it's been exhibition, kind of nonsense stuff, and then celeb fights with the Paul brothers. And we actually have a really busy slate this weekend in and out of town. Uh, Timo Fimo Lopez is one of the guys who was scheduled for a big fight in Florida. And here we go again. Last week we had, or what was it two weeks ago, whenever it was, John Rahm winning a tournament, leading a tournament, then testing positive for COVID. He wasn't fully vaccinated, and as a result, because of COVID protocols, he was out, out of the tournament. No win, cost himself a potential win of $1.6 million, and now we've got a boxer who has tested positive. I don't know the details of vaccinated, not vaccinated, first shot, hasn't got the second shot, got the second shot, not through two weeks required after the second shot, but I... Again, I'm not going to sit around the soapbox all the time because I know this is a very polarizing topic. But if your job requires you to not have COVID and there's a lot of money on the line. do so I need to say more. Uh, by the way, update on Rom. Uh, he basically said that uh, he was on his way to being fully vaccinated, but he hadn't done it early enough. He was looking back on it. Yeah, I guess I wish I would have done it earlier. But, you know, thinking on scheduling the purposes and having the PGA and defending the Memorial, I was just to be honest, it wasn't in my mind. Okay, well, it is now (laughs) if you lose a chance to win one point six million dollars and you're in the driver's seat going to the final round. That one is rough. That one is rough. Also trending at two o'clock. I don't think there are covid issues. There are legit injury issues. And for some reason, people question the NBA players more than any others. It's a weird one. But the Nets go into tonight's game against Brooklyn very much up in the air on who's playing. We know that Kevin Durant's playing. Supporting cast is playing. Harden and Kyrie? Not sure. Uh, earlier today, Wode said Harden upgraded from out to doubtful, which doubtful is usually not good. So we'll see if he plays. That game's coming up at 5.30. I thought this was interesting, some of the conversation. And this is why the NBA, It's it's funny, the – The NBA needs its stars and its super teams and its glamour market teams. That kind of encompasses everyone. Like Giannis is not in a glamour market, but he's a superstar. They need those guys to be making news in the playoffs. Otherwise, the talking head shows that do so much NBA talk that, you know, push the NBA pretty hard. And I I don't mind it, Um, but they need those kind of low-hanging fruit topics to latch on to. I thought this one was real interesting. Uh, see if you get what Emmanuel Acho was saying here on FS1 as he's pointing to KD having pressure on him because he can do something that lots of others have not, and he can really prove how good he is.
2: Kevin Durant can prove to me that he's the best player for this clear, concise reason. Put LeBron James in this situation on the Nets. Without Kyrie, without James Harden, I don't believe he beats the Bucks. Put Steph Curry in this situation with uh, in Kevin Durant's place without Kyrie, without James Harden. I don't believe he beats the Bucks. Put Luca in Kevin Durant's place without Kyrie, without James Harden. I don't believe he beats the Bucks. Hmm. I think that Kevin Durant would thus be the only player in the NBA who could have done this.
1: OK. <laughs> All right. I'm not so sure what those guys would do with the cast of the Nets without the other two members of a big three. Uh, I think LeBron in his prime would have a chance. I think KD has a chance. But we're all waiting on to see uh, what the status is of, of both of the guys, the other members of the big three on the Nets, and see if they'll they'll play. So, no such problems right now, right? Knock on wood. No major injuries. Don't need them. Don't need it to be part of any of the series the rest of the way. Montreal is a little bit beat up. Not sure if it would have mattered last night, but Wow. That was a weird showing, wasn't it? It was frenzied to start, if you're a Golden Knights fan, because Montreal came out, their hair on fire, played really well early on. Flurry and the defense withstood the charge, and then the Knights started to settle in. And then you see why the Knights were one of the five best teams in hockey on offense, one of the five best teams, if not the best team, in hockey, on defense. Like, Montreal, I don't know if it was an adrenaline dump. I don't know what happened. But, man, the Knights held up for those first 10 minutes. Some will say they got dominated the entire first period. I thought they kind of settled in in the second half of the first period. And then they started playing VGK hockey, and Montreal really had nothing. Uh, I didn't think Montreal was very dangerous after the beginning of the game and then the very end of the game when they pulled Carey Price. Uh, You heard the announcer say repeatedly, Micheletti and Forslund, that Montreal is just getting swarmed. They can't do anything. It's just wave after wave after wave. And the the line depth of the Knights was just absolutely killing them. Uh, And then meanwhile, the other way, the forechecking, the passing, the attacking. Again, you look up if you're a Montreal defender and you're like, they just won't stop coming. Uh, but let's talk about those first 10 minutes because it was gigantic. Uh, Fleury actually talked about uh, what Montreal showed him at the beginning of the game and then how they settled down.
3: I thought Montreal came out pretty strong. Right? They skated skate well and put a lot of pucks to the net, but uh, we hung in there and uh, I think the way that we came out in the second and the third, uh, we had the pocket out. We controlled the play a lot. Uh, we didn't give him much. And you know, also, I think it was, uh, it was back to our, our game plan and it worked out pretty good.
1: There you go. Back to the game plan, right? Back to the game plan. Uh, Alex Tuck had a good game. Uh, he did give kudos to Flurry, as uh, most of the guys on the team did, as he was also on NBC, these cuts courtesy of NBC. And uh, Tuck said, hey, Flurry got the job done for us. Without him, who knows? Whenever
3: we have a slow start, he's, uh, he's got a hot start, it feels like. So he, he was able to keep us in there and allow us to get our legs from underneath us and allow us to start pressing forward. So he's been playing on his head, honestly. And uh, it's been unbelievable to see he's – 36 years old and still one of, if not the best goaltender in the league right now. So it's unbelievable to see. And besides his gameplay in the locker room, he's just one of the greatest guys I've ever played with and ever been around.
1: Wow. That's some lofty praise, right? Awesome. Uh, These goal calls are tremendous. I'm just going to go through them real quick and kind of give you my take on each one of them. Um, First off, the, the theme of the game was the continued production, the increased production from the guys on defense, and I think in this series we may see them have uh, a real big set of games here. Whether it goes four, five, six, or seven, uh, they look comfortable last night. They didn't look like they were real worried about the counterattack from Montreal. And you're seeing some of the guys who were ripped on a little bit in the first two rounds, at least until the middle of the series against the Avs were Shea Theodore, who was you know having trouble, and and even closed out the season you know a little oddly and. Then Petrangelo, who still hadn't really set himself as a, you know, kind of a, that superstar level player that he was in St. Louis here. But uh, you can see the, the, the production, the confidence from those guys, the dangerous element. I mean, these first couple of goals, here's uh, here's goal number one is, uh, you know, Theodore just freaking rockets one.
4: From the draw, they score. It's a shot from Theodore out high. Vegas strikes first. First goal of the playoffs. It might have been tipped in front. We'll see. But Theodore ripped it from out high. Vegas takes a one nothing lead.
1: Yeah, Price couldn't see. He he was shielded, and Theodore's shot was such an awesome shot with such velocity. It was nuts. I mean, that's, a, that's the threat that he offers, and if he gets it going, holy cow, this team is going to be damn good. Again, Knights nice win last night. Four to one, dominate especially in the second period, and then play awesome defense in the third. Here's goal number two. In and they come at even strength left side. Carlson towards Smith. Extra pass. Karens in front. Theodore fakes
4: right wing shot. They score. Martinez two nothing Vegas.
1: And there you go. Right? What happens because Shea Theodore just hit one five thousand miles an hour by Price to get on the board one nothing. And then he fakes. It actually works on an awesome goaltender in price. And then Alec Martinez has been – what an addition Alec Martinez has been. Obviously, the defensive exploits, pure defense and blocking shots, the leading shot blocker in all the NHL. But, man, when he gets an opportunity, um, he freaking he, – he nailed that one. And, again, you know, he, he plays into this theme. We'll probably have to talk about this a bunch. If the Knights keep winning in the series and have, a you know, a chance to finish things off in the Stanley Cup final – This nonsense from outside the market now four years in about the expansion draft. Listen to many of the names we're talking about. Well, one, I will not apologize for what the Knights and they should not apologize for what they did in the expansion draft. Like as if the rules were so easy, anyone could do this. We'll see what happens with the Kraken, right? When they have their expansion draft. But you're hearing guy after guy after guy who was not... Picked in the expansion draft who's been added along the way. And a guy like Alec Martinez, I didn't hear the rest of hockey and other hockey fans, like, the rich get richer. They had Martinez. Unbelievable. NHL rules. I didn't, I didn't hear any of that. Here's goal number three. He's out. Vegas pulled away from the avalanche. Now out in
4: front. Tuck puts it toward the goal, and it's tipped in at the back door. Matias Yenmark waiting for it at the left post. And the Knights lead 3 to one seven Minutes to go, second period.
1: Yeah, that was massive. That was massive. Montreal uh mentally you thought, hey, maybe they're back in the game. They get a goal just before that, and the knights strike really quickly. And then I think this is one of the best moments of the game because it's a guy uh who has has virtually, well, I mean, he hadn't played. He's been unheralded, veteran dude. But these playoffs for Nick Holden have been sick.
4: Spins off a check. That elbow from Weber came up high. Holden again, shoots! Score! on the left side Nick Holden pinched in below the dock he found an opening from a sharp angle left wing side Nick Holden with two goals in as many games Vegas has a three goal lead four one nights with 10 minutes to play
1: there you go Dan Duva on the call and uh, Holden a beneficiary of excellent play from the uh, the misfits up on that offensive line. Great job there. I want to talk more about Holden on the way back. We'll get into what Flurry did throughout the game. We'll also start looking ahead to uh, game number two. We'll talk about some of the festivities around the arena. Again, some of the hate outside the market. Screw you! Golden Knights are up one nothing. Finally, they jump out to a lead in a series. Uh, not, It's not time to you know breathe a sigh of relief. It's good to be out one nothing, and we'll see what the adjustments are and if Montreal uh, will get used to playing in front of 18,000-plus because they did not adjust well after those first 10 minutes last night.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.
4: Canadians through center, left to right, dumped in, five seconds left. White clown behind his goal, steers it around, the crowd to its feet. Tonight's win game line. The final score, Golden Knights 4, Canadians 1, and a lead in the Stanley Cup Semi-Finals.
0: Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborne Broadcast Center
1: on ESPN Las Vegas. Hell of a start for the Knights, a lot to break down in the game. On the surface, it appeared to be a pretty easy game after the first 10 minutes, and then that Final rush at the end by Montreal, taking Carey Price out of net with about 4.15 left. Went about uh, another 3.245 with him out of net and still couldn't freaking score. It got a little bit dangerous there, but at that point, it's 4-1. The rest of the time, it looked like vintage Golden Knights during the regular season. And not to be too harsh on the Canadians, but frankly, it didn't look much different than... A lot of the games where the Golden Knights just freaking lambasted the bottom of the West, right? I mean, they annihilated the Sharks all year. Kings didn't give them much trouble, nor did the Ducks. And if that seems too harsh, I mean, look at the regular season. Montreal was about that level team. They snuck into the playoffs, and somehow they got out of the North, which... Either you had some playoff chokers or some teams were overrated, but Montreal is sitting here and now they're looking up and they're going against a team that seems a lot deeper, bigger, uh, might have a slight edge in terms of the goaltending and they got it handed to them and they didn't have many answers. And frankly, I thought down the stretch, um, you know, once it was four to one, I mean, that's a pretty bitter pill to swallow. I thought a lot of the Canadians kind of looked demoralized. Now, Hey, listen, the Knights got their asses kicked in game one against the Avs, so things can change in a series and things probably will change. And, you know, not everyone deals with prosperity well. That's why sweeping series is not that easy. You get a little too high on the hog. But I mean, right now, the Knights are kicking ass. They seem to be all motivating each other by, you know, whoever's performing well and you know, the guys who aren't playing their best seem to be motivated by the guys who are playing well. There's such intense competition just to get on the ice. You know, they've got a enough depth where they can switch out some dudes. Especially in that fourth line, it's driving everybody. And, I mean, who would have predicted that Nick Holden would be one of the key guys, uh, not only on defense, but also in terms of goal scoring. He's got a couple of goals. He had one last night. Uh, he's got a bunch of assists. I mean, you look at his numbers, they're, they're crazy. And he was part of a, a, a group last night, the defenseman. We're on fire, they were pinching in close, and they were the beneficiaries of great work on offense and on defense. Here's Holden talking about the defensemen pitching in so much.
3: Uh, We talked about making sure D were getting up uh, in the play to make sure we had good gaps uh, if if pucks turned over, but ended up being that uh, we were able to jump up and get some pucks and obviously score some goals and make some plays. So uh, it's always big uh, when you can get contributions from uh, different places,
1: and uh, tonight was one of those nights. Man, Nick Holden. Now, because other, other superstars in the league or these superstars in the league got booted, Holden's right there with him in terms of goals scored. You're talking Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid out early. And, yeah, 34-year-old Nick Holden for the Golden Knights is scoring. He's assisting. He's playing really good defense. He's a d- dangerous guy on the ice. Here's what he saw in his goal. Yeah,
3: I mean, our forwards were doing a good job holding on to pucks. Uh, and then I just saw uh, Smitty grab that puck and – Kind of saw a lane going down the backside, and he made a great play to me. And uh, fortunately, I held on to it um, a little bit, and then the net opened up for me. So, uh, yeah, great play by our forwards to to kind of hold on to pucks and, and create a lane there.
1: And Nick Holden, eight points now in the playoffs. And again, last night, three of the four goals from defensemen. You're seeing, you know, from game to game, different people getting involved and I thought the Avs ran into a lot of trouble as the series went along in dealing with the Golden Knights depth and I think the Canadians are going to have the same sort of trouble uh, the Canadians even though their fourth line's actually been really effective in the playoffs but Holden talks about the, the depth and the scoring from you know all units for the Golden Knights is making a big difference
3: To get deeper and deeper into playoffs you need scoring from everywhere and so uh, I kind of touched on a little bit with the, the defense question earlier but uh, if you can get guys contributing um, that aren't your big big guns, uh, you're gonna win games. And so uh, that's something that's important for us to to do uh, moving forward as well, just making sure that we have that depth scoring.
1: And I'm not sure it's gonna be the case moving forward. you know Montreal, keep in mind what Montreal was facing here. And we really can't wrap our heads around. I guess we can go back you know more than a few months and we can wrap our heads around it, but you're talking about the Montreal Canadiens finally being able to play someone from the United States coming across the border. They haven't played a game here in the U.S. In over 15 months, their fan turnout is so limited. You know, we remember when uh, the Knights were first letting fans in and, you know, there were three, you know, Three and a half thousand, 3,800. You know, it was was refreshing. It was a good level of noise, but the Habs are playing in front of 2,500 at the cavernous Bell Center. And now all of a sudden, they're massive dogs. They're this upset darling. They're going against one of the favorites in all the NHL. And now they've got 18,000 plus. And it's not only 18,000 plus, it's what we do here. It's the way we do it. And, you know, I saw plenty of lame ass hockey fans around the country and, you know, from Canada, who were getting after the the show that the Knights put on before the show. It's not that easy to deal with. Like, you can discount it. You can say it's corny, it's cheesy, but it can be intimidating. And I thought it drove Montreal for the first 10 minutes. And then after that, they just, I think it was a bit demoralizing to not score. And the noise just kept coming and coming. And coming, and, uh, you know, here here's the other thing Holden gave credit to. Let's not just talk about the crowd, which is a massive deal. Pete DeBoer had, and his staff had a brilliant series against the Avs, and uh, Holden gave them credit for some, you know, advanced scouting here and game planning against a team you haven't seen in forever.
3: Our coaches did some homework and obviously showed us video and stuff, so we, we had an idea of what their game was going to be like. I think they came out uh, really hard in the first period there and uh, had us on our heels a little bit in our zone. Um but then I thought we got to our game and uh, started being able to get our forecheck and get pucks behind them and and make sure that we were bringing our game to them. And so, um, obviously, yeah, like you said, we haven't played them in over a year, but uh, it doesn't matter to the opponent. We want to make sure that we're putting our our game on on other teams.
1: Yep, they're ready and they put their game on the Canadians. And I'm real cautious on the stuff in terms of predicting blowouts. You know the way things work here. If you're a a Vegas sports fan and you're into betting a little bit, and if you've been paying attention to the different series, not only in the NHL and the NBA, um, you know, getting out and winning a couple of games, uh, even if one is in blowout fashion, just look at what happened last round, right? To so the Golden Knights against the Avs, the series is never over, but um boy, the the talent gap, maybe a coaching gap in this one, I I think gives the Knights a chance to get out of the series pretty quickly. But, you know, again, it starts tomorrow. They've got to dominate tomorrow and get out to a two-nothing lead. If they don't win, then you know, all bets are off then because now they haven't held home ice and now they've got to go north and they've got to go to some different conditions in terms of, uh, you know, uh, they won't have as much freedom because they'll be bubbled up there, quarantined. They have to be as safe as possible, but get the job done tomorrow. And I think this could be a quick series, but they're off to a good start. one uh, nothing lead in the series, 4-1 win last night. And uh, a lot of the defensemen getting in on the scoring, which is freaking bonkers. Uh, you're getting a complete team effort from the Golden Knights. All right, a lot more VGK coming up later in the show. We'll check in with Stormy Bonatoni, rinkside reporter in our 5 o'clock hour. But up next, every Tuesday, we talk Raiders, we talk NFL, really talk about anything that's going on in the world of sports, including NBA, and that's where we'll start with our buddy, Q Myers, who's up next on Cofield and Company.
0: Visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. we are listening to Cofield and
1: Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Tuesday. That means we check in with Q Myers and Waco, Lockdown Raiders podcast. And we're actually going to start off today, uh, before we get to all the Raider stuff, talking about some NBA as we get the uh, lead in to the Nets and the Bucks tonight. And this series is crazy, Q, because it's been so up and down. And the injuries are such a big part of it where it looked like the Nets were going to freaking steamroll the Bucks, And all of a sudden, now you're like, can the Nets survive?
2: Right. It's so crazy how it could just change so fast, man. Again, like you said, I thought the steamroll was in process. I thought the Bucks were done. I was questioning the Greek freak. I was questioning everything that had to do with this series, except for the Nets. I thought the Nets were just going to crush them. And boom, like flies, these guys started dropping. And, and injuries are always something that's that's a rough deal. Harden, we know he's been dealing with the hamstring injury for a while, but... That Kyrie Irving ankle injury, man, that thing looked really bad. Uh, as a guy who played basketball, clearly not on that level, but played basketball, I know that, man, when you when you bend that ankle like that to the point where that bone hits the ground, man, you're you're in you're in rough shape. So I knew that it was going to be rough. Uh, you could tell that uh, the the Nets kind of knew that it was it was going to be bad. But seeing James Harden say that he's going to give it a go at least, or at least try to give it a go. I mean, he was ruled out, and then now they're saying he's doubtful. But at least he's going to try and warm ups. That's the least he can do if, if at the very end of the day. If it's nothing more than show, that's the least he can do to at least,
1: you know, go out there and give his team an opportunity. Because right now, man, they're they're
2: looking like they're on the wrong end of, of this
1: series. It's funny how it works out. I am a supporter of load management. Listen, everyone knows their bodies and you want to be as healthy as possible for the playoffs. But that's the problem. Once you get to the playoffs, it's a roll of the dice and you can be well rested. And all of a sudden some freak injury goes down.
2: Yeah, you can. And I, I'm glad you brought up load management. I was talking about that on, on my show today. And I, I li- I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a big fan of load management. I mean, again, you're right. Everyone knows their bodies. But I feel like outside of guys that are maybe, you know, a little bit older, a little bit more seasoned, or guys that are dealing with nagging injuries, which, okay, that makes sense. But it just, to me, especially with the Clippers, we talked about the Clippers last week, guys like Kawhi and and those guys that just choose to, hey, I'm going to sit it on down for a while and, and uh, take this couple days off. I just... I think, it's, I think that hurts them in the long run because they're not they're not seasoned to go each and every game. They're not seasoned to go hard in the paint. And I know that they do something that you know on a whole another level that we can never imagine doing. But I just I know the Spurs did it and Popovich did it, and it made sense with a bunch of older older players. But I just feel like more players that that really don't need to take advantage of it take advantage of it now. So I, I support it, but then I, I kind of don't like it if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of people in the media who are anti-load management. Um, I also think there's a lot of people in the media, and you know, we're part of the media, so I don't mean to, like it's some thing that's off right. in the distance. We're part of it. It does bother me when I see players get ripped on. Again, I will go back to, hey, they know their bodies. I, I thought... Some of the criticism last night and today on Joel Embiid, listen, he didn't put up great numbers. He had 17 points and 21 rebounds, which, by the way, shows the standard that he has set that that's not a good game. But he was 4 of 20 from the floor. He had a great layup chance, you know, in the final seconds. He blew the layup. But you could see he was a little bit gimpy. It's so weird with a guy like Joel Embiid that – the dude averaged 39.5 points the first two games on a bum knee. Now Atlanta's gotten back in the series. He didn't have a great game last night. And then I'm like, I'm reading people who, how are we getting on Embiid now that he's injured because he had one bad game? I think that they're
2: just continuing to move the the goalposts. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, okay, this is the standard that it has to be. Okay, well, now that you met that standard and now that you're shining and, and showing that what you're doing is actually working. Okay. Now let's move the finish line to this. And I I just kind of feel like that. I don't like to pile on these guys Uh, again. Like you said, at the very very beginning, they know their body. We'll never know their body like they do. So they know what they're feeling. Uh, Again, I just, I get caught up in being, you know, a prisoner of, you know, the, the time when the Reggie Millers were out there playing 97% of their games and the Michael Jordans were playing 97% of their games and guys like that. So I know that that's what in my mind, I feel like that that's, that's how it should be done. But You know, guys like Larry Bird, guys like John Stockton probably could have used load management to, you know, better themselves. So when the playoffs came, you didn't see Larry Bird laying on the ground at the Parquet Center, you know, with ice on his back and wrapped up because he couldn't barely walk or John Stockton in pain or Steve Nash in pain. So, I mean, it goes both ways. I just feel like at the end of the day, I feel like more players... Uh, take advantage of it than need be. There's some players that I do believe need it. And just, I just think that a lot of guys take advantage of it.
1: Well, you know who could have used some uh, management over the years in terms of his physicality was Cam Newton because he's suffering for being a battering ram for so many years in Pantherland. Again, we shape so much of how people look at athletes uh, when we slam them. and I, I I don't know why it took me back to the time when Cam was really getting a rash of crap from a good majority of the media. I saw Tom Curran, one of the Patriots writers, just say this today about Cam Newton at minicamp. He said, "There's no getting around the fact that Cam is not a gifted thrower, but on these sessions, man, he is so open, amiable, and gives such honest self-assessments. It's impossible to wish the guy any ill." Wait, what? What? What has happened? Cam <laughs> Newton was Cam Newton was some like hated figure for many, and I never understood it. I never understood it. He, the guy, is overly passionate. He's a sore loser. He loves playing football. And for the longest time, he got a bad rap. And it's like, oh, now that he's in a major market in the Northeast, we're all cool with Cam. Like, we should have all been cool with Cam when he was busting his ass years ago.
2: Yeah, I agree 100%. When he was in Carolina doing his thing, I was a big Cam Newton supporter. Uh, Loved what he was able to do. But, I mean, let's be honest about the situation. He's a big, tall, strong, black guy playing quarterback and is very passionate, like you mentioned. Uh, was celebrating with dance when he scores a touchdown. And what was the first thing you heard, especially from older media? Act like you've been there before. Don't do that. But what did he do? He went out there and he gave footballs to the kids. Every fan there in Carolina loved him to death. His smile is infectious. You know, you can't help but to be a fan of his when you see him smile and just go out there and enjoy playing the game. There's something to be said about people that enjoy doing what they do. And, you know, you can take yourself really, really seriously, and you can really be that cut cutthroat kind of edgy type guy because it's got to be your way and you've got to go out there and, and perfect what you're trying to do. And some quarterbacks in the league are like that. And then there's guys like Cam Newton that go out there and have fun. I hate the fact that he got injured and was so banged up following Super Bowl 50, you know, when, when he was the league MVP, I thought Cam had an opportunity to go on a run for about four, five, six years where he was just about the face of the NFL and kind of changed the way that the, the the game was looked at and the the position was looked at. Again, Cam has done a lot of things that weren't done before him, you know, and so I, I will always appreciate Cam Newton. I just hate that, unfortunately, like so many athletes, he has been a victim of not necessarily father time, but just injuries and injuries and injuries. They've piled up on him and has Changed who he is as far as production-wise, but still, man, just out of respect for him, love the guy, Cam Newton. Just wish we saw that MVP-caliber player uh, like like we did back when they, they had Super Bowl 50 and they lost to Denver.
1: Q Myers, one of our football insiders, Locked on Raiders podcast, is up on Cofield & Company here on this Tuesday. Let's stick with quarterbacks. Uh, this one from Raiders camp. Yesterday, listen, I I like Derek Carr. I do think there are times that he tries too hard. And there's stuff like you don't need to say, maybe you can correct me on this. Maybe this is just team building and he's bonding with his guys. Uh, But he was reacting to, again, some of the rumors about other quarterbacks coming here here and him going bye-bye. Carr told uh, ESPN.com, I want to do it here. I probably would quit football if I had to play anywhere else. Derek, come on. Uh, I'd rather go down with the ship if I had to. I mean it's something that he said he said
2: before that he always wants to be a Raider he was a Raider fan growing up yeah. and that's awesome I think that you know he's putting him putting it out there and just kind of reiterating it what it did is make uh, Raiders Twitter get all excited and fired up and say, how could you not root for Derek Carr? Look at this guy. He always wants, you know, it, it was almost like it wasn't really a rallying cry for the fan or for the for the team. It was more like a rallying cry for the fan base and, and, and to get uh, more of the fans, especially on Twitter, which I consider to be a cesspool at times, just to be all fired up and all, you know, have his back. And that's my quarterback, almost a T.O. type m- moment. You know, that's my quarterback and, and that's Derek Carr. And how could you ever root against him? And look, I like Derek Carr too. Do I think there's things he can improve on? Absolutely. Do I think the Raiders could win with them? Absolutely. But, I mean, like you said, all players eventually unless they cut their career short, normally play on other teams, you know? I mean, we're talking about great quarterbacks right now like Aaron Rodgers could possibly be somewhere else. I mean, we've seen other quarterbacks move. I mean, it just... It's just the nature of the beast. That's what the NFL is. It's not for long. Uh, you're the the darling of the team for a while. Then all of a sudden you're on the outside looking in. And so uh, I, I do respect the fact that he wants to be there and get this thing turned around. Uh, I think that's what is expected. Also, I'll point out he's coming up on a contract pretty soon as well. You know, so he's also kind of sending a message to the team. Hey, guys, I'm here. It's been really bad. We're trying to get over this hump. Uh, I'm in year, you know, seven going into year eight. Uh, four years now with John Gruden, I'm only getting better. Let's go ahead and hammer this thing out sooner rather than later. And so uh, I think he sent most uh, m- uh, multiple messages. Uh, I'll tell you this, Derek Carr doesn't do anything without knowing what it means. You know, he's he's a very calculated dude as well.
1: This one's interesting. Uh, I don't know if you saw the story in the local paper, but uh, uh, Money Mark Davis, as I'm calling him now, because, uh, you know, he's got his place up on the summit and. Man, he's cashing in big time. Did you see the story that uh, he's doing a $688,000 renovation of the owner suite at the Al, which he hasn't really been in yet for any games? I, wa- I wonder how this is going to reflect on Mark Davis uh, if the Raiders aren't winning like real soon.
2: Well, that's the key. If they're not winning real soon, he's going to get hammered for it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I didn't happen to see that article, and it's, I do find it interesting because it's a brand new stadium. <laughs> you know, it's a, what do you have to? You got to. You got to re- redo it already. Like what's, well, what's I, really he, going he, on?
1: He expl- I don't. I don't know if there's like a miscommunication here. He explained it like, hey, it wasn't completely done yet, so these are the finishing touches. But when right. you start talking about six hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars, that's Man, that, that's kind of crazy, which brings us to, listen, Bill Foley's a rich guy, right? Uh, yeah. he, he's a super rich guy. He's a billionaire. Um, and I think in this market, it may not happen outside the market with Raider Nation, but in this market, we are going to judge the Raiders based on how the Golden Knights have done here these first four years, and yeah. which I think is a good thing. It's going to raise the bar for everyone. That includes UNLV Sports. They've got to get their act together. Yeah. What the Knights are doing right now is going to set a standard for the Raiders on so many fronts. What the Knights are doing
2: is incredible. Incredible. I love watching it from a distance. I really do. Uh, that's a team that literally, like their name says, born. Born in Vegas. I mean, that's Vegas's team. That's homegrown right there, uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And, yeah, I think so. And I've been saying that for a while. And I thought that 2020 was a year that the Raiders needed to make the playoffs and, and for that exact reason. Because the Vegas Golden Knights went into the market, landed in Vegas, and went to the Stanley Cup Finals. You know what I mean? So Vegas is – it's funny to say this used to having winners because we talk about Vegas on the outside. It's like Vegas never loses. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like if you go to Vegas enough, you're going to lose and Vegas is going to win. But just to see that that this is a, a winning organization, I think it does make the Raiders have to step their game up because they get a ton of support there at the T-Mobile Arena. I mean, they are they are showing out right there with the Golden Knights, and I mean, the fans, I just, I love watching the pregame, I love watching how fired up the fan base gets, and I can reach out to anybody a certain time, right before the, the Vegas Golden Knights play, and it's like, oh Q, hey, uh, I'll hit you after the game, man, the Golden Knights are coming on. I mean, it's like, even my mom, who's not a hockey person, is like, hey, my Vegas Golden Knights are coming on. You know what I mean? I was like, Mom, you ain't never been to a hockey game, but she it's infectious. She loves what the Golden Knights are doing, and yep. so the Raiders have a lot of pressure on them to, to 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 be up to that standard, and I'm I'm so glad that there's a bar set there in Vegas for sports. Like, hey, if you're not doing this, you're failing, so I think that the Raiders definitely need to step their game up in a major way, and I think the Golden Knights have, have set a great bar
1: for them. Yeah, and you can see there's some cross-pollination. Last night, and Ngakwe was up there with the air horn. Derek carr has been at multiple games. He did the air horn as well and listen i don't think there's gonna be a problem for the raiders but the Knights have also sort of broken the mold around hockey, which is a stuffy sport. Unfortunately, I think it appeals to, um, you know, one uh, demographic in terms of a fan base. I don't think they have enough young fans. You know, they were they were losing last week in the Islanders-Bruin series to freaking women's softball on ESPN. Uh, and it's funny, then, last night, you know, I see the the Open and the Horn and, you know, the, you know swords and all the stuff that the Knights like to do when they're open, and people outside the market are like, this is cheesy, I hate them, it's obnoxious, like... For hockey fans, man, you get you guys got to cast a wider net and get different fans involved. Yeah. But but that all said, that entertainment element of the Knights games where I'm telling you it is there is sound constantly going at you. Yeah. I don't think the Raiders are going to have any problem matching that. I think the Raiders are going to be freaking lunatics on game days. I can't wait. I really can't. And that's what I'm excited
2: about. And it's funny, we've had a couple people call in on the Locked On Raiders podcast. I got a voicemail line, and they've been calling in and saying what the Golden Knights are doing. And then they even reference like what the Minnesota Vikings do when they, they blow the big horn and everything. But it gets the crowd ramped up. It's like, hey, the, the Raiders got to do something like that. Well, I'll tell you what, if the Raiders are winning, and the Raiders are a team that's really, really a dangerous team. I could tell you from times at the Coliseum, you get that crowd start chanting Raiders. I can imagine that place in a dome. Yeah. They're at Allegiant Stadium. I mean, they'll be able to hear hear Raider fans from the strip. They'll be able to hear them from the airport. I mean, it'll, it, could be, it could potentially be insane. And again, another, I think, standard that the Golden Knights have set, that this is how we rock. And and I love it. And I don't. If anyone outside the market is saying that that's cheesy, shame on them, man. Loosen up your 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 shirt a little bit, man. You're too you're too tight, man. I I think that what they're doing is going to open up uh, a, a huge market for fans that might not necessarily be uh, hockey fans. I'm excited about the the Golden Knights. Anytime they're on, I'm like yes, yes. Let's watch it, man. Let's watch it. Uh, it's just fun what they're doing. So I think that it could really they could change the game. They've done a good job there in Vegas.
1: That was a good spot, Q. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely, anytime. That's one of the best spots of the week on Cofield and Company. Q Myers from Lockdown Raiders podcast, and he does local sports talk radio in Waco. Northern California guys. so longtime Raiders guy. His spot on Tuesdays is brought to you by Nova Home Loans. 877-700-NOVA is the number. You know, May was Military Appreciation Month. Well, Nova Home Loans has decided to make this Military Appreciation Year. Moving forward, Nova Home Loans is going to offer to waive their lender processing fee on all VA loans, throughout the month so that means it's an unbelievable opportunity for veterans and active duty military the rest of 2021 to refinance your existing loan or purchase a home today i mean you got record low interest rates and now no processing fees so get in give them a call tell them cofield sent you 877-700-NOVA it's nova home loans 877-700-NOVA
0: join the conversation on twitter at cofield and co Hanging at the Battle Born Broadcast Center. It's Cofield and Company. 11
1: and 12, 364-1100, 364-1100. 1, 1, 0, 0. This is a chance to qualify, a chance to qualify. You can qualify for tickets to the game tomorrow night. Golden Knights in Montreal. Yep, without warning, this is what happens. You got to listen all the time. The Cofield and Company, we will just drop it on you a chance to win some tickets to the uh, final four game tomorrow. Game number two Golden Knights and the Canadians. Uh, what you will get for qualifying 364 1100, caller 11 and 12 364 1100. What you do get is a Golden Knights hat. You will also get a two foot sub from Porta Subs. You call in now and you are qualified for a chance to win tickets to tomorrow's big game at the Fortress, the Golden Knights, and Montreal going at it uh, at T Mobile. I already called it the Fortress at T Mobile. Uh, make sure you download the free Porta Subs app and order ahead for lunch or dinner from Porta Subs. Caller 11 and 12, you are the big winners and potential qualifier. Well, you are a qualifier, potential winner of the tickets. 364 1100. Uh, lots of NBA to get to as we've got a uh, 5.30 start with Brooklyn and the Bucks going at it. We're going to be tracking what's happening on the other side of the bracket in the Stanley Cup semis as we've got the Islanders out to a, a one nothing lead against the Lightning. And amazingly, the Lightning have gone from, uh, what, about 10 days ago, the favorite to Win the Stanley Cup, they're down one yeah, nothing. It's on home ice, they're down one nothing in the series, and you can now get Tampa at three to one defending champ to win the Stanley Cup. So, I took a look at that today. Uh, speaking of gambling, our buddy Charles Barkley, who loves Vegas and you know talks all the time about gambling, whether it's a real or you know tie ins with the partnerships now with TNT. Chuck gives us something almost every day. A lot of it's funny. Like last night, it's must watch Uh, after the Golden Knights game. I mean, I watched some of the post game on NBC, and then I flip over to see what was going on at the end of the uh, Clippers and the Jazz and watch what Shaq and Kenny and Ernie and Chuck had to say. And in no way have I thought that Barkley has been neutered in some ways, although he was throwing out some – lame thing about Joel Embiid last night about how to approach things when you're hurt and how to be a decoy. And so maybe I wasn't onto it. He actually did a radio show in DC and said, he's only going to work two more years because you you can't have fun nowadays without these jackasses trying to get you canceled. So now Charles Barkley is feeling the pressure of cancel culture, which is one of the most overused terms in the American lexicon. Cut it out. He says, just having fun talking about sports. I'm trying to hang on for another couple of years until I'm 60, and then they can kiss my ass. I'm only working until 60. I already told them that. We can't even have fun anymore. They, they look like they're having plenty of fun, and it doesn't look like they're being censored at all. We've had fun all these years, and now all of a sudden, the last year and a half, everybody's trying to get everybody fired, and it really sucks. Chuck, you're going to be okay. Uh, there, uh, The line is so far out there for Charles Barkley. My God, we have all these old-time NBA players. Questioning the toughness of the current NBA players, you can't handle a little talking to from management? Chuck, come on. You're our idol in broadcasting. You don't care. You're not a role model. Now you're going to sit here and whine about being canceled? Cut it out. Just do what you do. My God. The bosses just have to say something. They have bosses too. They're not going to fire you. Cut it out. Yeah, he said, uh, he goes, a lot of our bosses are cowards. He said, uh, you know, his jokes about San Antonio and the women of San Antonio, which, by the way, wasn't really that funny. Anyway, uh, now he can't do that anymore. You can do it, Chuck. Here's a little kick in the uh, kick in the ass. Toughen up. You can do it. You're not going to get fired. Plus, what do you have to lose? You're freaking worth tens of millions of dollars. Fight the fight for us, Chuck. Come on. Please. All the way back, we've got uh, the three coming at you. A couple of big headlines, including what's going to happen for much of the Olympic coverage, as it looks like, a UNLV guy is going to be involved in the broadcast.
0: The phone lines are open. Join the conversation on Cofield & Company now by calling 702-364-1100 or tweet us at Cofield & Co.